Welcome to Staying the Course. Join us as we navigate the uncompromised Word of God with Pastor Brett Peterson. How many of you uh, celebrated Passover this past week? You know, we did a Seder at Pat and Kathy's house. And guys, I got to tell you, you need to come to these Seders. Uh, Mark did a Seder. Where'd you do it, Mark? At the, um, one, of people, one of our members in our small group did it at their house. Okay. Uh, and Passover is all about what? Communion. That's where we get the sacrament of communion. It's all about the Lord Jesus Christ. In fact, he is the Passover lamb. Today, we are going to get back into this journey into the tabernacle. And last week, we started it, and we talked about the gate. It's in Exodus chapter 25. We know that the first seven chapters from 25 forward talk about how God told Moses how to build the tabernacle. The subsequent chapters literally restate what was told to Moses when they actually build the tabernacle. And we know that God's tabernacle on earth is simply a shadow or copy of the throne room of heaven. You know, it's amazing that we call church sanctuary. Don't you like that? You know, sanctuary from the storm, a place where you can come and find healing and restoration and be reconciled to God. And find that God actually loves you no matter how foolish you are or how sinful you are. Uh, in review, we know that Exodus 25 through 31, literally, God took 40 days to instruct Moses how to build the tabernacle. 40 days on the mountain. What happened to the children of Israel when Moses was gone? Remember, he comes back down after just 40 days, and they are dancing around an idol, a golden calf that they made, and they had rebelled against God. And so Moses took those Ten Commandments and shattered them on the ground, and it was a horrible thing. Aren't we like that, though, a lot? You know, we're walking with God, everything's going good, and we feel a little abandoned by God. You ever feel that way? You ever feel like your prayers don't reach heaven? Folks, this morning, as we get into the tabernacle, it's really all about how to activate your prayer life, how to encounter God and approach the throne of God, and prayer is a sacred privilege that we get to do. Isn't that amazing? And yet most of us treat it like it's nothing. Biblical scholars have tried to make an allegory uh, from the temple, and some say it's a representation of the church. Do you ever read that? That the tabernacle, the gate, and the inner court really reflects the church. Some say it actually reflects Christ's body himself and Jesus himself. Some have said it's our own body. You know, there's many allegories Bible scholars have said that the tabernacle represents. But we found out last week it means something much significantly more and greater than any of those things. In fact, the tabernacle is the throne room of God. It is on earth a shadow or copy of God's throne. In chapters 35 through 40, when we get there, and we're going to skim through these chapters as we go through this because it's repetitive of what we already covered in chapters 25 through 31. But they actually begin to build the tabernacle. You know that God inspired the builders and actually gave them the ability to do what they did. You know, in the church today, if you're trying to live your walk with Jesus Christ in the flesh, you will have struggles, you will have anxiety, you will not have peace in church, and you won't have peace outside the church. You will be miserable. But if you're doing it by the power of the Holy Spirit, that empowering, that in filling that dwelling of the Holy Spirit where we become the temple of the Holy Spirit, you will have the fruit of the Spirit in your life. Love, joy, peace, all of that stuff. So, no single aspect in all of Israel's faith and all of Judaism is more important than the tabernacle and the temple because that is where the children of Israel would meet with God. 
You know, there was one place on earth that you could meet with God literally back then, and that was the tabernacle, the tent of meeting. The camp looked something like that, and we know that God's Shekinah glory would rest on the tent of meeting. You ever experience God's Shekinah glory? You know, in the Spirit, I'm not talking about literal, but in the Spirit, have you felt and praised the glory of God? The tabernacle really is our path to access the throne of God. It is given to us as the steps we take to prepare a heart to go before a holy God in prayer, to access God and his promises. In Exodus chapter 25, verse 8, we read this. Let them construct a sanctuary for me, that I may do what? Dwell among them. You know, God promises that he will never leave you, nor what? Forsake, Forsake you. If you feel distant from God, if you feel like your prayers are not reaching the ears of God, if you feel like he's abandoned you, I want you to know this morning that you need to enter the tabernacle. And folks, I got to tell you, this week, I don't know if any of you tried this, but uh, this week, as I bowed my head in prayer and my knees in prayer, I went through the tabernacle model that we covered last week. You know, God gave that to me last week in the middle of the night. I, I was not going to preach last week because I made a covenant with you. If I don't hear from God, I won't stand at this pulpit. And finally, at the last minute, God gave me this great illumination about what the tabernacle means. Man, this week as I prayed my prayer life, and I've been a Christian since 1968. That's a long time. You would think by now my prayer life would be, oh, God, you already know it all, and why should I pray? And, man, I've read it, you know, a hundred times. I know, you know, hey. No, this week as I approached the throne of God and the Holy of Holies through the tabernacle model in my mind, man, I got to tell you, it's amazing. Some of you remember uh, John Kudla. How many of you remember John? He's come to a few men's retreats. Uh, I went to Bible college with him. He had a terrible accident couple of years ago, and he is now paralyzed in bed. He's joining us this morning online, and I want you to just reach your hands uh, toward the computer. We're going to pray for John that God would heal him. Uh, he is paralyzed. His uh, joints are calcifying, and what it means, he can't even bend. He loves God. He's filled with the Holy Spirit. I went to Bible college with him. We graduated in 1985. He's a mighty man of God that hears from God. And uh, this church is going to stand with you, John, and we're going to believe that God is going to use you like you are now and prayerfully fully heal you. Amen? Let's pray. Father God, we thank you, Lord, that you love us, and we thank you for our brother, John. God, I pray that even now your Holy Spirit would fill his room. Lord, for those that are watching online, God, for those that are with John in his, his room right now, I pray that your presence, your Shekinah glory would fill that place. Lord, we pray that you would heal John, that you would restore function in his brain, that you would restore function in his ligaments, God, and his tendons and his muscles and his synapses and nerve endings and everything would be restored, God. We pray, but most importantly, God, we pray that you would fill him and baptize him with your Holy Spirit. God, that you would use him either uh, in his bed or healed and out in, in the highways and byways. Use him powerfully in these last days. In Jesus' name, in Yeshua's name, we pray. Amen. Amen. We love you, John. The tabernacle is a copy of God's throne room in Hebrews chapter 9, verse 24. We read this, For Christ did not enter a holy place made with hands, a mere copy of the true one, but into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God for us. He is our high priest. Hebrews chapter 8, verse 1 says, Now the main point in what has been said is this, We have such a high priest, speaking of who? Jesus Christ. He is our only priest. Folks, men that stand in front of a church and claim to be a priest, 
You know, the, the fact of the matter is we are all priests. We have one priest, and that's Jesus Christ, and one mediator between God the Father and us, and that is our high priest, Jesus Christ. Note what he says here. Who has taken a seat at the right hand of the throne of the majesty of God and made a minister in the sanctuary, the tabernacle, and in the true tabernacle, which is that the Lord pitched, not man. Isn't that amazing? So the tabernacle, you cannot allegorize that into anything else. It is a picture of the very throne room of God. And that's why it's important to understand the tabernacle and our way into that very throne room. In Matthew 16, 19, Christ said, man, I'm going to give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. You know what that key is? We access that through Christ in prayer. We're going to talk about that this morning. The tabernacle, I believe God has shown us, is a roadmap on how to encounter God directly and speak to him in prayer. It's also a picture of our whole walk with the Lord Jesus Christ. And last week we talked about that. The tabernacle really is a whole overview, a broad brush stroke picture of our journey in faith. We enter through the gate. What's the gate again? The Lord Jesus Christ. And we're going to review those in a minute. We began to see the significance of the tabernacle and how it represents our access to God's throne. And today, we're going to go beyond the veil into the Holy of Holies. Oh, man. I was so excited to preach that last week. I was jumping up and down. I was going to hold you guys over, but I can't do that. I, I, I promise to end on time. Entering the tabernacle is leaving the world behind. And we talked about this last week, but this is very important. Have you ever been stained by the world? I'm the only one? Okay. I mean, if I'm watching TV, I hear stuff that I, I, I don't want to hear. I mean, driving around, even talking to people, sometimes even watching the news, I get stained by the world. My soul is like, oh, grieving in my heart over where the world is and what it's become, and especially this great nation. We pray for revival in America. We pray that it would become a God-fearing nation again. Leaving the world behind, we read this verse last week, and I need to read it again. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, starting in verse 16. It says, what agreement has the temple of God with idols? Where's the temple of God right now? We know in heaven is the true temple, the tabernacle. But right now we, right, are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Hey, what agreement has the temple of God with idols? For we are the temple of the living God, just as God said, I will dwell in them and walk among them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Therefore, and this is important, you want to enter the holy place? You want to go beyond the veil? You need to do this first step, because once you pass that gate, you are on holy ground. Your life no longer belongs to you. Do you know that? You were bought with a price, the precious blood of Jesus Christ. You are not your own, the Bible says. In fact, we become sanctified, literally washed and set apart for exclusive use by and for God. Come out from among their midst and be separate. And it doesn't mean move out to the middle of nowhere and start an encampment and never deal with the world again. What it means is in your heart, in your life, in what you do, come out, be different from the world because the world is grasping at straw in an attempt to find some kind of peace. But the peace that Christ gives, he says, is beyond comprehension. It's a peace that lasts. Do not touch what is unclean, and I will welcome you. Welcome you where? Into the Holy of Holies. Into that place in the tabernacle where we meet with God. And God finishes that text. I'll be a father to you, and you'll be sons and daughters to me. If there's one thing in my life that I'm proud of, it's to be a son of God. Amen. You women, to be a daughter of God. 
to know God. That's the only thing that matters. It's leaving our past behind. In Philippians 3, 13 through 14, Paul wrote this. And by the way, Paul said as to the law when he was a Pharisee, what was he? He said he's blameless. Man, he did all this stuff in his own flesh, and he was righteous. And to the law, he was blameless, and yet he recognized he was miserable. Man, who will deliver me from this wretched body of sin? He said this, brethren, I do not regard myself as having laid hold of it yet, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward or pressing forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal of the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Jesus, Yeshua, means what? God, our salvation. Don't you like that even his name says who he is? You know, God's going to give you a new name one day that no one knows except you. It's going to say who you are in the eternal state. Your homily this morning, Pastor Chris, man, amazing. Because we need to have that eternal perspective and live for eternity, not for this. Because our citizenship, folks, whether you like it or not, is in the good old U.S. Oh, no, it's not. It's in heaven. We're sojourners. We're just passing through. A shameless plug for Thursday night. First Peter and Second Peter is all about how to live a Christian walk in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation. We need to have the joy of the Lord. We don't need to go out and attack them. You know, so many Christians love to do that. Am I in a soapbox right now? I mean, they go out and attack the gays and the homosexuals and, and all these people, and they, they come against them. Well, man, all we need to do is give them the love of Jesus Christ and let the Holy Spirit change them, which he can. Sin is sin. Make no mistake about it. But God loves the sinner. And we're commanded to go out and demonstrate that love. In fact, the Bible says judge those where? Outside the church? No, inside the church. We don't judge those out there. We love them. We show them the love of Christ. But those inside the church, man, we judge them. We rebuke them when they're out of line. That's what we're commanded to do. Mm, the upward call of Christ Jesus. He's calling us to fix our gaze on heavenly things. Seek first the face of God, the Bible says. Seek the face of God. Run to the Lord. Seek first his righteousness. I meant to turn to Ephesians chapter 4 before I start preaching. <laughs> we got to read the Bible. Forget what I have to say. What does this have to say, right? This is the most important thing. Man, I don't know how these preachers get up. They read one verse and then they speak for 40 minutes. It's like, oh, where's the word of God? You know, that's what I want. Ephesians chapter 4, starting in verse 17. We read this. So this I say to you and affirm together with the Lord that you walk no longer as the Gentiles walk. Can we say the world walks? Mm -hmm. yeah. Hey, that you walk no longer as the world walks in the futility of their mind, being darkened in their understanding, excluded from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them. Some of you watching online might not be a Christian and you think, wow, you're saying harsh words. Thank God I'm not saying it. That's what the Word of God says. The ignorance that is in them. Do you know, is there an ignorant law that was just passed not too long ago? Something about bathrooms and usage and all kinds. I mean, are, are you kidding? Am I being political? I'm sorry, I, I can't be political. Let me step away from the pulpit. Now I can be political. No, I'm just kidding. Oh, my gosh. I shouldn't have had that zip fizz this morning. Chris Brunt wasn't here to stop me. Verse 18 again, being darkened in their understanding, excluded from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the hardness of their heart. And they, having become callous, have given themselves over to sensuality for the practice of every kind of impurity with greediness. 
But you, church, did not learn Christ in this way. If indeed you have heard of him and have been taught in him, just as the truth is in Jesus, that is in reference to your former manner of life. Are you born again? You know, there's a lot of uh, uh, Christians today that I've met that are coming to the Lord and in, in some of these churches around here. And their life before Christ, we call that BC, and their life after Christ is exactly the same. Do you know what I'm talking about? There was no transformation. There was no change. Here we're told quite clearly, hey, you born-again saints of God, in reference to the former manner of life, you lay aside the old self, which is being corrupted in accordance with the lust of deceit, and that you be renewed. What's our theme verse this year for this church? Transformation. Yeah, transformation, Romans 12, 2. Man, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That's being born again. That's going to the place where you can step behind the veil into the Holy of Holies. Continue on. Verse 24. And put on a new self, which is in the likeness of God. And put on a new self, which is in the likeness of who? God. Becoming more like Christ every day. You know, I love that Jesus was accused of being a wine-bibber and hanging out with prostitutes. Do you know that? Why is that? Because he hung out with the hurting and the lost. Man, so many self-righteous Christians think, I have access to the Holy of Holies. Ah, I have a special access to God because I am so righteous and holy. You ever meet one of these self-righteous jerks? Excuse me. Someone's calling me. It's God. You know, pastors have a hotline to God. Okay, there we go. Sorry, Lord, I'll talk to you later. No, I'm just kidding. Folks, God loves you in your sinful state. You cannot sin so much and so great that God doesn't reach down to you and say, I died for you. Man, I didn't die for the righteous. I died for you, my precious daughter, my precious son. You are the one I want. He knows we're frail, sinful people. We all fail. We all make mistakes. He knows time and time again, though we strive for holiness, we fail him. And he paid for that on the cross of Calvary. And he loves you this morning. And no matter how many times you failed, he's there for you. Because why, verse 24, let's end that. Put on a new self, which is in the likeness of God, has been created in righteousness and holiness of truth. You know, righteousness, the definition is what? Faith plus love. The breastplate of righteousness is how good you are. No. Thessalonians, is it Thessalonians? I'm, I'm having a brain fade right now. Second Thessalonians, I knew Mike would know. The breastplate of righteousness in Second Thessalonians, we're told, is faith plus love. That's what God demands. That's what God wants. Our journey into the sanctuary, we should be marked by change. As we see the gate, that's when we're first born again and we believe in Jesus for the first time. And we walk into the gate, into that tabernacle, this, this place, this sanctuary that's set apart from the world. That's through Christ. You're born again the minute you do that. Do you know that? The Bible says in John 3, 16, we all know it. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. Okay, now that, that, that's the gate. That's step one. You know a lot of Christians stop there. As they're going into the tabernacle, they stop at belief in Christ. There's so much more. There's so much more, and it's so much deeper. Oh, man. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, 
He's a new creation or new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. I love this promise. And all the filth from my past, even the filth if it's yesterday, when I run to the Lord, it's gone. It's cleansed. It's forgiven by the blood of Christ. In the old covenant, only the priest could enter the place where we're about to enter. And only once a year, the holy place. The sanctuary. Well, in the sanctuary, the holy place, any priest could go in there. But in the holy of holies, only the high priest once a year. Do you know that every time you bow your head in prayer, you enter the holy of holies? The very presence of God. Now we have access. First Peter chapter 2, verse 9, I love this verse. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, all of you, a holy nation, a people of God's own possession, so that you may proclaim his, the excellencies of him who have called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. And that light is the Shekinah glory that filled the temple. At the end of this service, we're going to sing a song. I see the Lord seated on the throne, exalted. The train of his robe fills the temple with his glory, and his glory is in you. You are precious to God. You matter to God. No matter how you failed him, you are his precious son or daughter. Do you know that? And his glory, his Shekinah glory, as you're the temple of the Holy Spirit, fills you when you worship him and when you enter the tabernacle. Oh, I miss those days. I got to tell you, I was raised Pentecostal. You know that? I believe in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. They're for the church today. They did not cease. In fact, the Bible says they will not cease until we see him face to face. That's at the rapture of the church. Then we don't need the gifts. But for now, they're operating. And folks, that empowering of the Holy Spirit, as you as you move into the sanctuary is the oil that fills the candlestick in the sanctuary that lights it. And that oil is the anointing of the Holy Spirit that we need, that Shekinah glory of God. So let's review really quick. So we have the gate. Who's the gate? Jesus. Remember, that's Jesus Christ. We enter in. A lot of people stop there. I believe in Jesus. I'm good. No transformation, no change. They are what we call carnal Christians. They're living their life in the flesh, and they have not entered into the holy place. They've stopped in belief in Jesus Christ. Second is the outer court. And there, the first thing you're going to find is the altar, and that's where we remember the price that Jesus Christ paid for our sin. He was crucified in our place. And as we continue on, we find this bath of water where the priests would wash themselves fully or baptize themselves. And it's representative of water baptism and washing your mind in the Word of God. And we talked about that last week. And then now we approach the sanctuary. Last week we got into it a little bit in the holy place of the sanctuary and the candelabra and, and the table of showbread or his presence, which represents what? Communion. The bread and the wine. And we talked about that last week. The holy of holies is where we're headed today as we go behind the veil. And folks, in your prayer life, if you find it difficult to pray, I believe if you go through this in your mind, just go into that holy place, you are going to have a divine encounter with God at his throne. Activating your prayers and appropriating the promises of God. You know, all of God's promises are provisional. Do you know that? We've talked about that. We're going to go through that a little bit today, this morning as well. So inside the sanctuary, that's where we're headed. Last week, we saw the candlestick, that menorah. We saw the table of showbread. We talked briefly about the altar of incense. But 
we need to start there because the altar of incense really represents what? Our prayers. Absolutely. We enter through Christ. We receive his payment for sins at the altar. We're baptized by water and the word. We take communion, the table of showbread. We join the church. That's the golden lampstand. And we're filled with the Holy Spirit. That's the oil, the empowering that comes from the Lord. And we have direct access to God through prayer, the altar of incense. So this is at the throne of God, Revelation 5, 8. We read, when he had taken the book, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb, each one holding a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. Now, how many of you remember the 60s and early 70s? You guys are old. <laughs> Me too. Uh, do you remember incense? Yeah. Okay, now my parents would burn incense in our house. Now think about that. You know, they, and were they hippies? They must have been. Are you watching? No. <laughs> and I remember I'd get home from school sometimes before my mom started working, and the incense would, would make this layer in the house. So underneath it was clear, but there would be a layer of smoke. You know, and I'd like suck it in. That's why I'm weird today. You know, <laughs> I don't know what kind of incense that was. No, I'm just kidding. But it smelled really good. You know what I mean? It, it, and people would burn it in their cars. Do you remember that? Yeah. Uh, black lights and, and, and all of this stuff. But the incense back then was a fragrant aroma. You know, your prayers rise up as a fragrant aroma before the Lord. It covers all the stench of your filthiness. You know, incense will t remove that bad smell really quick because it's so powerful, especially if you get the really good incense. I guess today would be those oil things, right? They heat up oil and it lets off this fragrant stuff. It is the prayers of the saints. Psalm 141.2 says, May my prayer be set before you like incense. May the lifting up my hands be like the evening sacrifice. And we know that this incense represents the prayers, but some Christians never, ever have prayed face-to-face -face with God. Do you know what I mean? They've recited prayers. Now I lay me down to sleep. Pray the Lord my soul to keep. They might even say the Lord's Prayer. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. But have they and have you, when you pray, realize that you are talking to God face to face? That you have entered into the very throne room of God. For some, they just believe. The fact is, some don't even want to pray and can't pray. And we found out last week, and I want to remind you husbands of this. The Bible says if you don't honor your wife... Your prayers will be hindered or literally stopped. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 7. We talked about other prayers that God doesn't hear. You know, it seems that in Proverbs 15, 29, the Lord is far from the wicked, but hears the prayer of who? The righteous. What's righteousness? Faith and love. Love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love the sinner across the street. Point him to Christ. Point her to Christ. Some Christians try to get into this holy place based on their own good works. You ever done that? You ever bargain with God? Lord, you promised in your word this. So I tell you what, for the next week, I'm going to be sinless. I'm going to do this. So now you have to do this. They try to enter the holy place based on their own righteousness. You can't. No wonder God doesn't hear your prayers and you feel distant from God because you're trying to earn a place in his presence and you simply can't do it by your own good works. They feel like God's given up on them. Yeah, it gets cold. We have a very interesting weather system in the upper room here. It's either hot or cold. And so, yeah. It's kind of fun. So bring a blanket next time. It's okay. Yeah, that's why I wear this vest. 
scripture says do not be yeah. Do don't be lukewarm. Oh yeah, the Bible says don't be lukewarm, either hot or cold. So this church actually reflects it. This sanctuary is either hot or cold. I love that. Robert, profound. Some people think they've sacrificed enough. They've given up so much that they've earned access to the throne of God. Folks, you can't get there by your own righteousness. It's only through Christ and what he's done. Proverbs 15.8 says, The sacrifice of the wicked is an abomination to the Lord. But the prayer of the upright is what? His delight. His delight. You want to make God happy? Start being a man or woman or a young person of prayer. He hears your prayers. He understands what you're going through. Christ said, I have been tempted in all things just like you, yet without sin. In Hebrews, in that same passage, he says, I understand exactly what you're going through. Really becomes a heart issue in the new covenant. I love that God delights in us bowing our head in prayer. He wants us to do that. James 5.16 says this, Therefore confess your sins one to another, and pray for one another so that you may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Did I just quote King James? Yep. Robert, I saw Robert saying amen over there, so uh, NASB is up there. You know, growing up, I memorized King James, and so still sometimes I'm reading NASB, but King James comes out. It's just, you know, that, that I heard that's what God speaks. No, no, he doesn't. Yeah, exactly. Ah, sad fact is, many Christians never make it to the altar of incense, let alone through the veil into the Holy of Holies. I love when Paul wrote to the church of Ephesus. He says, to me, the very least of the saints. I want you to think about that for a minute. I know there's people in this room that thinks, man, I am so unworthy. I am the least. If I'm even saved, I'm the least of all the Christians. I am so sinful and so unworthy. And how can God love? I'm the least. It's good to know that Paul says he was what in another verse? The chief of sinners. No matter what you've done. Now, that's in the Bible, folks. And the Bible can't be wrong, meaning you can't be more sinful than Paul was. I'm just saying. And yet, God used Paul powerfully. Chief of sinners, the least of the saints. It was given to him grace to preach to the Gentiles the unfathomable riches of Christ. At the end of that text in Ephesians chapter 3, starting at verse 8, he says that we have what? Bold and confident access to the throne of God through what? Faith, not our good works, lest any man boast, right? Hebrews 4.14 says, Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast to our confession. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted in all things, just like we are, yet without sin. I want you to consider that. Temptation means you want to do it. Are you with me? Now think about that. Whatever sin that you're tempted to do, that your flesh really wants to do, and you die to yourself, Christ says, I wanted to do that too. Yet I didn't so that I could die on the cross, the unblemished Lamb of God, and pay for your sin. And he paid for it on the cross of Calvary. Therefore, because of that, let us do what? What does it say? Draw near with confidence to what? The throne of grace. Do you know what that is? The mercy seat. That's on the Ark of the Covenant. That's that top on the ark. It's the mercy seat where the very presence of God dwells. 
the throne of God. The one on earth was a copy of that. Oh, by the way, it ends with this. Let us draw near with confidence to the throne of grace so that we may receive mercy and find grace and help in time of need. We have access to the Holy of Holies. Why are you belaboring this point, Pastor? Because most Christians do not pray. They do not enter the Holy of Holies. Their prayers are flippant. Hey, Lord, bless this food. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, let's eat. Hey, Lord, thanks for the day. Man, help me today. In Jesus' name, amen. They are such short little prayers. They never go through the tabernacle into the Holy of Holies in their presence. You want a dynamic prayer life? You want your prayer to be activated and heard by God? Man, spend some time with the Lord in prayer. Go through the gate and remember our Lord Jesus. Get to that burnt altar where they would offer the sacrifices and remember the sacrifice that Christ paid for you. You, you can't earn it. He paid for it. You just receive it. And then go be washed in the Word and spend some time in the Psalms or the Proverbs at least. And let that water wash you as you now enter into the sanctuary. And you commune and fellowship and dine. Where Christ said, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door of their heart, I'll come in and dine with them. Have sweet fellowship with him or her and he or she with me. And then we look at the golden candlestick, which represents the church we found out last week in many verses. And you think about and pray for your church family. Do you do that? Well, man, I just don't know what to pray. I try to pray and I bow down and after 10 seconds, I'm done. Well, why don't you just say, Lord, bring to mind people in our church that I need to pray for. Do you know that we are a body functioning, that you are necessary for this church to operate? That we're all members of one body. We all function together. So why don't spend time in prayer before the candelabra, the menorah in the sanctuary? Oh, and then as you pray, that sweet incense begins to rise up. And you enter that holy of holies. And you draw near with confidence to the throne of grace, the mercy seat of God. It's all about prayer and entering the Holy of Holies. We have access through a new and living way. You can read this later. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19 through 22. Let us draw near with a sincere heart, full assurance of faith. I love that. God hears your prayers. Be anxious for nothing. Philippians 6. Man, I've been holding on to this verse lately. Seems like the world's getting crazy. Hey, don't be anxious, but do what? Hey, go before the Lord in prayer. And the peace of God that surpasses understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Meditate on good things as you enter the sanctuary. We know there's one mediator between God and man, Jesus Christ. We talked about it, 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 5. So going beyond the veil, let's review it really quick. By the way, if you want, I'll email out these steps so that you can try this in prayer. Now, I'm not talking about New Age visualization, but the Bible, there is meditation that is good. We meditate on what? The Word of God. Hey, guess what? Everything about the tabernacle is the Word of God, and it represents the throne of God in heaven. Read about it in the book of Revelation, in Ezekiel. So as you pray this week, I want you to try go, using this, temp, this tabernacle model. Go through the gate. Let's just review it really quick. We enter through the gate, Christ, that's belief. We receive payment for our sin, that's the altar, real faith. We're baptized by water and the word. We take communion, table of showbread and wine in his presence. You know, some people do communion themselves when they do that. Do you know it's not bad to do that? Because you're communing with God. So if you take the bread and you take the wine, even if you're by yourself, you're still having that communion with God. Our church, we do it once a month. 
It all points to the Passover lamb. We pray for the church. We, we make sure we're plugged into the church. Folks, we can't be church-hopping Christians. It's not in the Bible. You become a member of that church that you're at, part of the body. You need to plug into a church. You can't be a Lone Ranger Christian. It's then that we experience the anointing and baptism of the Holy Spirit. Folks, I got to tell you, when Christ had been resurrected, he met the disciples and they believed in him. Do you know what he told them? He said, he breathed on them and he said, receive the Holy Spirit. They believed, they became the temple of the Holy Spirit. And then you know what he said right after that? Hey, go wait for the promise of the Father. Because you will be baptized in the Holy Spirit and you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you to be my witnesses, to be my ambassadors. And many Christians never get the empowering of the Holy Spirit. We need that. That's the oil inside the sanctuary representing the Holy Spirit. And it's then that we have direct access to God through the altar of incense. And then the Ark of the Covenant. We have th four minutes. Five minutes. All right, stick with me. Unless you want me to end now. Are you bored? No. Oh, okay. I saw someone fall asleep. No, I didn't see someone fall asleep. Matthew 15, 37, Jesus said on that cross, remember this? He uttered a loud cry and breathed his last. That's when he died. And what happened immediately? The veil in the temple was torn in two from the top to the bottom. God said he made the way into the holy place, the holy of holies. You can't make your way there by your own acts of righteousness. He made the way. I love this. The centurion that was there watching the crucifixion, when that occurred, guess what he said? This Roman centurion. He said, man... Truly, this man was the Son of God. Back to the altar of incense. God told Moses about the altar. You shall put the altar in front of the veil that is near the Ark of Testimony, the Ark of the Covenant, in front of the mercy seat that is over the Ark of the Testimony, where I will do what? Meet with you. Well, man, every time I pray, I just feel so distant from God. It's so hard to pray. If you would consider this tabernacle model and go through that in your prayer life, I think you will have a divine encounter with God. One thing I forgot, it says, enter his courts with what? His gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Spend time in worshiping God. Get a CD. We have some CDs that Jan made downstairs, and I think you're making another one. Awesome. We can't wait. Get a CD. Get something and worship God. Spend time with the Lord, and we go into that holy place, and we realize the great honor that we have to approach the very presence of God in prayer. In the Old Covenant, the high priest could only do it once a year. We have that access anytime. Why don't we take advantage of it? Why don't we become people of prayer? We need to do it. Leviticus 16.2, the Lord said to Moses, Tell your brother Aaron that he shall not enter at any time into the holy place inside the veil before the mercy seat which is on the ark, or he will do what? Die, for I will appear in a cloud over the mercy seat. Used to be serious business to enter the Holy of Holies. Folks, we need to make it serious business again. It is having an audience with the king. Now, I got to tell you, there are prayers that are casual prayers. Uh, Nehemiah, I'm glad he gave us, he was talking to the king, right? And the king says, what shall I do for you? Why are you so down? And Nehemiah, what, it, what does it say? He shot up this arrow prayer in his mind. 
Just a real quick one. Man, when I'm driving, I pray. I pray for you guys all the time. If God brings you to my mind, I intercede for you. If I'm driving, I make eye contact with somebody, I'll pray for them. Just quick prayers. Those are casual prayers. That is not what I'm talking about here. This is what I'm talking about this morning. It's seeking the face of God, prostrate before a holy God in your prayer closet. Does that make sense? It's when you are alone with God. And if you never spend time alone with God, no wonder your walk is so pitiful this morning. I'm not looking at anybody, by the way. I'm looking up. You know. uh, or Amir. Oh, yeah. Man, you need to find time alone to pray with God. Hebrews 9, 6. Now, when these things have been so prepared, the priests are continually entering the outer tabernacle, performing the divine worship. But in the second, only the high priest enters once a year and not without taking blood, which he offers for himself and the sins of the people committed in ignorance. And if God didn't accept the author, what does the Old Testament say? That high priest was struck dead. But we have the place to enter the Holy of Holies. Doggone it. I am going to have to. This is where I, oh, I'm going to have to finish this next week. Okay, so but next week we're not going to go through the all everything that we reviewed and all of that. We're going to start right here at the Ark of the Covenant. Because this is where we appropriate the promises of God. I want you to know this. The effectual fervent prayer of who? Righteous. Righteous man availeth much. So if you're not living your life in complete faith in Jesus Christ and love for God first and others second, don't expect your prayers to be heard. That he'll hear them, but not answer them. You, you husbands, if you're not honoring your wives, and that was radical in these days. You know, the Bible is the most freeing book for women. Read Proverbs 31. You guys have doubted. Man, they ran the household. <laughs> you women are important. So important that us men, if we don't honor them as a fellow heir of Christ, our prayers are not hindered. Literally means to be blocked, to be stopped completely. Wow. Wow. Mm. Holy of Holies, Ark of the Covenant, and appropriating the promises of God next week. And restores my soul satisfies my need. Thank you for listening to Staying the Course with Pastor Brett Peterson. If you would like a copy of this message or would like to submit a prayer request or comment, contact us at 949-888-5777 or email us at info at ccbcu.edu. God bless you as you seek and serve Him. Remember, stay the course and we'll see you next week. Satisfies my need.